Amen. All right. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and grab one off the back table. There's stacks of them back there. Um, tonight, we're, we're jumping into the first part of James chapter 3. And, and as Chloe said, it, it sounds a little strange, but James is talking about the tongue tonight. He's talking about that for, because apparently when he was writing this, that there was some issues going on with this in the early church. In fact, he's already talked about it twice in this book. In James chapter 1, verse 19, he said, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then just a couple verses later in verse 26, he said, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So clearly there's something going on in this early church that James feels the need to address the issue of the tongue and the words that we speak. So it may be something that we need to pay attention to also. So let's, let's talk about the tongue for a minute. This is a small, tiny muscle in our mouths, but it is used to do most of the communication that we do in a day, much less in a lifetime. This one little thing is how people get to know you because you use it to speak. You use it to express your words. Now, yes, there's, there's body language and there's writing and there's texting. But really, you get to know a person when they speak to you. When you're face to face, when you can see their eyes and their expressions and hear the meaning behind what's coming out of their mouth. And that's what James is talking about here. So let me ask you just some really weird questions about the tongue, okay? Does anybody know what the average tongue weighs? Like for a person. Two pounds? Who said that? That's a big tongue, dude. Like maybe for a cow. I don't know. The average person, Riley. Four ounces. Okay, Conrad. 0.25 pounds. Okay, Jacob. Okay, 0.50 pounds. All right. Kurt, 0.26 pounds. You really, you're just going like 0.01 off. Three-fourths of a pound? Okay. It's actually much lighter than you would think. The average male tongue for a guy is three ounces. And for a female, it's 2.7. So they're, they're right there. They're in the same ballpark. Now, based on that, I'm going to tell you some information and I want you to try to do some mental math here. Okay, you ready? The average male, let's just go with the male. The average male is approximately five foot nine. This is average. There's guys that are bigger, taller. The average male weighs about 165 pounds. So, so, based on those two facts and how much a tongue weighs, which is three ounces, how many tongues would it make, take to make up the same weight of an average person? What's that? I, I'm just asking if you've got an idea. What do, you, what do you think? What's that? The average male weighs 165 pounds, about five foot nine. So how many tongues at three ounces would it take to make up a person? 3,000? No. Kirsten? 396? <laughs> What's that? And what did it say? 396, that's right. So it's going to take a lot of those to make up you, right? It takes a lot, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. That muscle 
how many tongues did you say again? 396. So for something that's three ounces, think about the percentage of your body weight. That's like 0.1% of your body weight. And yet, the words that come out of your mouth probably cause more trouble in your life than anything else. That one small little muscle is something that we can use to encourage people, something we can use to breathe life into other people, but it's also something that we often get in trouble with because we speak without thinking sometimes, or we say words in anger, or we're just downright mean to people with the words that we choose. And, and we need to understand, people can say, well, that, I didn't mean to say that, that wasn't supposed to come out that way, and, and I've been guilty of saying that. But the tongue and the words we speak quite often reveal what else is going on. Yeah, sometimes we do slip and, and we say something we didn't mean to say. But there's other times where we do say what we meant to say. And it's our thoughts that are revealed by the words that come out of our mouths. In fact, Scripture talks about how out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our words, the tongue that we have, they matter. And that's exactly what James is talking about tonight. He's talking about the power that is contained in this small little thing and how powerful that is and why we need to be aware of it. So before we jump into what we're going to walk through tonight, I'm going to ask you guys questions that I ask you every week because it's important for us to know when we're studying a book, what's the context? What's going on? Why are we studying this? So basic questions. If you don't know these, that's fine. But if you do, holler it out. Who wrote the book of James? Okay, Try to keep them simple up front. All right. Do we know when do we believe it was written? Uh, 40 to 45 AD, a long, long time ago. Who do we believe or do we understand that this book was written to? Jewish Christians and house churches. Remember, all the way back in James chapter 1, verse 1, it says this is written to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. He's writing to the Jewish nation, Jewish Christians who have been scattered because of persecution of the early church and people who believed in Jesus. So these guys are meeting, these ladies are meeting in house churches, not gathering in big groups like we're doing right now. Why do we understand this book was written? To encourage, we got like unison going here. Yeah, to encourage them to live out their faith. Because remember, hey, they were persecuted. They were in fear for what they believed. So James is trying to say, if you say you're a Christian, this is how you're supposed to live your life. And you can live it out. You just need to act on what you know to be true. So I'm going to do what I ask you guys to do every week. I'm going to ask you to stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word. And we're going to be in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Let me read this for us. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who, know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature 
can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word, God. I thank you that we can spend some time talking about this tonight. And I pray that I won't get tongue-tied as we walk through this tonight. But God, help us to understand what your word says about how you've created us and how you want us to honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can go and have a seat. So let's just start walking through this. James chapter 3, verse 1. Let me read it again. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we ought, you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So before James really gets into talking about our tongue and the words that we use, he's talking about this idea of teaching. He's saying, for those of you here in the early church that want to be teachers, you need to be careful. Apparently, there were some in the church who were seeking that role of of getting up and, and either teaching God's Word or leading the group in some way. And he's telling them, number one, not everyone is gifted to teach. Not everyone has that ability to teach. And, and that's something that we need to be aware of. But more importantly, what he's saying here is that the position of a teacher, especially when it comes to teaching the Bible, holds a much greater, greater weight of responsibility. Because when, when you stand up to teach God's Word, Scripture tells us right there, you're going to be judged more strictly than the people who are sitting and learning. And, and I can tell you, for me, that's a scary thing. Sometimes, and I don't know if you think this or not, sometimes it may look easy when I get up here and start to talk. You can ask Miss Kathleen, I'm scared to death to be up here every single time. Number one, I don't really like being in front of people, but God said preach, so that's what I have to do. But number two, what scares me more than anything is that I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to say something that is contrary to what the Word of God says. Because I know that I'm responsible for anything that I say to a larger degree, when I'm trying to teach the Word of God. And that's why James is saying that if you desire that role, you need to know that that role comes with a huge responsibility. It's a good role to desire. But the Word of God has great influence in the lives of people who are learning the Word of God. And we've got to be careful when we step into that role because of the things he goes on to say here in the rest of this passage. Verse 2, he says, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. That's that's what James is saying here. He's saying, this is how much power the tongue has, that that if you can speak and not stumble, if, if, if you can talk and not mess up your words or not say the wrong thing, he says, you are perfect. Now, let's be honest here for a second. Nobody in this room is perfect, are they? I don't care what your grandmother or your mother has told you your entire life. You are not perfect. No single person ever is perfect because every single one of us stumbles, especially when it comes to the way that we speak. You say the wrong thing 
or you react in anger and say something that you wish you hadn't said or you mouth off to your parents when you know there's going to be bad consequences for that. Every one of us has been guilty of that. Or you simply get tongue-tied and you can't get the words out of your mouth that are in your head or even written down. I have that trouble every single Wednesday. You guys know that. We all stumble when it comes to our words and the way that we speak. And James is saying, if you can fix that, then you're perfect. You've got everything covered because the reality is none of us can fix that. We all stumble that way. So what James is doing is he's saying, hey guys, we're all in the same boat here. That's why he uses that phrase we talked about last week where he says, my brothers. Remember, he's reminding them that he is one of them. That he's a disciple of Jesus. That he's a believer. That he's learning the word of God and trying to live it out as well. He's saying, hey, I'm one of you and we all have this problem. And that's why we need to be aware of this problem. Because as we keep going, we learn some things specifically about the tongue. In the next couple of verses, what James is explaining in verses 3 and 4 is that the tongue has the power to control. Look at what he says here. Verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the pilot directs. He's talking about the power that's contained in your tongue. I mean, think about it. We like to control power, don't we? Anybody ever been in a car that goes way too fast, but it felt really fun to drive that fast? Okay, I heard the phrase recently. It might have been used by somebody in here. I paid for the whole speedometer. I'm going to use the whole speedometer. <laughs> I heard about that. All right. But we, we like to drive fast because we want to control that power. Or, or we either climb up a rock face or rappel down a rock face. Something that could kill us going either direction because we want to feel like we have control over that kind of power. Or we get stupid and jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Because we want to control, which by the way, I would like to do that sometime, but it's still stupid. Don't look at me like that. We've talked about this. <laughs> but it's, it's dumb. But we do it because in that moment when we're really out of control, we feel like we're in control, even though we're not. We like to control power. And yet, what we're seeing here is that the tongue actually has the power to control. It has the power to do the things. That's what James is talking about here. He's talking about horses and ships. These are things that his readers, these people understanding this for the first time, they would have connected with that because this was their world. So let's talk about horses for a second. Again, a little trivia. Anybody know what an average horse weighs? A lot. Good answer. Yes. Ballpark. Throw a number out there. About 2,000 pounds. 300 all right, one more, JD. 9.30, okay. Your average horse, and there's a big range here. It depends on the size of the horse, the breed of the horse, can weigh anywhere from 850 pounds to about 2,000 pounds. So those are big, big animals. Actually, it says about 220 pounds, depending on the breed. A horse is an animal that can pretty much go wherever it wants. The only time I have ever cracked any bone in my body is when I got thrown off a horse when I was about five years old. Let me tell you, are you laughing at me, Kirsten? 
Five little, little five-year-old me crying in the middle of a field. You are laughing at me right now? <laughs> Let me tell you, you want to know what happened? My granddad had horses. And they taught us how to ride horses when we were young. So one day, I finally convinced my granddad to let me ride the horse in the field by myself. Which was, I mean, I was stoked. It was a great idea. As a five-year-old, I wasn't in school yet because my brother was at school, so it had to be around that age. And when I got let loose in that field, at my granddad's, in the very next field were the other two horses we owned. Well, the problem is we were about 500 yards apart. And I started just kind of going slow with this horse. And something happened, and the horse that I was on saw the other two. And as soon as he turned his head towards the other two, he took off. And there's little five-year-old me going the back of the horse, going, <laughs> because I, I, I had a bridle, I had the bit in the horse's mouth, and I'm pulling on it with everything I have, but I didn't have the strength to slow this horse down. That horse went where it wanted, and in the process, threw me off the horse, cracked my wrist, and, and <laughs> I love this part of the story, my dad watched the entire thing happen. It gets better. My dad runs out into the field, gets to where the horse is standing, grabs the horse's bridle, and punches the horse in the side of the head. It was awesome. Well, it's done, and that horse is probably not even alive anymore at this point, so it doesn't matter. But with that bridle, with that bit in its mouth, had I had the proper knowledge, I could have controlled that entire animal with that one little piece of metal. Once I gained that knowledge and once I gained that know-how and had the ability to do it, I can make a horse go anywhere I want to. I still can. But left to its own, a horse can go everywhere it wants to go. But if you put that piece of metal in its mouth and you know how to use it, you can make that horse do anything you want it to do. And that's what James is talking about right here. If that tiny thing could control that entire animal just by taking control of its mouth, how much more important it is that we try to control our tongue. Because that horse can't talk. Yes, that horse caused damage that day, but it didn't even know what it was doing. When it comes to our mouths, sometimes we cause damage and we know exactly what we're doing. And that's why James is using that example there. He talks about this ship as well, this, this rudder, this tiny little thing on the back of a ship that sits underwater that you can't see makes that entire body, that massive thing, move wherever the pilot wants it to go, that ship's captain. What James is saying here is that the, the words that you use, that tiny little thing you use to produce those words, there's a lot of power in that. And, and when we're not careful, our tongue, our words can be used to control. It can be used to put people down. It can be used to hurt people. It can be used to make people feel like they don't even matter. James is saying we've got to be careful with that. That's why he goes on in the next couple of verses and he says it doesn't just have the power to control, it actually has the power to destroy. Look at verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. 
And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Such a small thing can cause such damage and destruction. Y'all know what this is? It's a lighter. It's pretty small, isn't it? It just went out. Really tiny. And yet this, it's going to do that next slide. It can cause this. This, this little thing right here. <laughs> I'm out. Dang it! <laughs> it's dead! That little thing right there can cause that. That's what James is talking about. Now this, this is a great thing if you get one that actually works anymore. And, and you can light a stove with it and eat. You can light a campfire and be warm. You can even use something like this to do what's called a controlled burn where you set a fire on purpose so that it kills the tall growth so that the other plants, the bigger things around it, can actually live. People do that. But when this is let out of control, it destroys everything in its path. And the same thing is true for our tongue. We all have those moments where, where we lose control. Where we say something we know that we shouldn't have said. Where we say something that we know is going to hurt somebody just because we can. I mean, I bet every one of us in here, I don't, I don't want to see a show of hands, but just stop and think for a minute. I bet every one of us in here can remember at least one time in your life where somebody said something unkind, mean, ugly to you, and it greatly affected you to the point that you still remember it today. We've all had that experience. Because the, the tongue, the words that we use, have the power to destroy one misspoken word, one intentional wrong phrase can destroy people. I mean, an example of that is if you look at World War II, the Nazi campaign. One leader's words almost wiped out an entire nation just because people listened to the wrong words. Our words have power and they have the power to destroy people. They have the power to destroy ideas. And that's why it is so important that we do everything we can to submit that to God. Because that's what He calls us to do. And we've got to remember that we can't do that on our own. When I say submit it to God, it's because James has already told us we don't have the ability to control our own tongue. I put that survey out there. Some of you guys saw it <clears throat> on uh, Instagram on Monday. And I just put the passage up. On the Instagram story for KF students, if you don't follow us, go out there and do that. And it said on there, can you control it? Yes or no? 86 people saw that. Six people responded. Three said yes, three said no. Which makes me wonder, the ones that said yes, did you read the passage? Because that says the answer is no every single time. Because the tongue is impossible to tame. That's what James says in the next two verses. Look at verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full 
of deadly poison. The only hope we have when it comes to our mouths and the words that we use is the work of God in us. If God is all-powerful, then he's the only one that can do anything about this tiny muscle that causes you and I so much trouble. That's what James is saying right there. He's saying we can tame all of these animals, we can tame all of these creatures, but we can't tame our own mouths. Our only hope is God working in us through the Holy Spirit. God showing us where we use those words that hurt people. God showing us where we use those words that tear people down. Because as God works in us through the Holy Spirit, that translates into the way that we speak to other people. And the way that we speak about other people. Because that matters. There's unbelievable power that is contained in such a small thing. And so often we think they're just words The old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones. Words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Words destroy people. Destroy reputations. Destroy lives. And James says, we can't do it. But God can. Because words matter to God. That's what he says in these last couple verses here. He says, with it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James says, with with your mouth you bless God and then you curse people. This shouldn't be. Your, your, Your words matter to God. If for no other reason... For us to say, God, I love you. God, I worship you. God, I follow you. And turn around and tell somebody else who Scripture tells us is made in the image of God, I hate you. It doesn't work. That's that's not the way God calls us to live a life that honors Him. Scripture shows us how important words are to God all the way back in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. That's the first four verses. If you read through the entire first chapter of the Bible, you see 14 different times the phrase God said or God called. God is all powerful. God could have chosen any way to make everything that he made and yet God chose the spoken word. Words matter to God. You go to the New Testament and you still see the importance of words to God. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word still matters to God because Jesus is the Word in the flesh. We, we know God as He has chosen to reveal Himself to us through His written Word and through the physical Word in Jesus. 
These are how we know the love and the mercy of God. These are how we begin to understand who God created us to be. This is how we recognize that we're sinners in need of forgiveness. See, guys, the words that we use, they matter to God because it's through the word, through his written word, through the physical word in Jesus, that God reaches out of eternity and into humanity and offers us forgiveness of our sin. Through the word. And when we say, God, I believe in you. God, I trust you. God, I know you've forgiven me and I follow you with my life. Guess what? Our words matter to God. The way that we use that tiny little muscle in our mouths matter when it comes to how we interact with other people. Because Scripture tells us it's through words that we confess our sin to God. It's through words that we ask His forgiveness. It's through words that we acknowledge that He is Lord of everything, including my life. In your life. Your words matter. And, and if you're in here tonight and you claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it matters how you speak. It matters how you use that thing. And we'll broaden it, not just what you say with your tongue, but what you say with your thumbs as well. It matters. It matters to God. And that's why it should matter to every one of us. You can use the power of your tongue to speak words of life and truth into other people, or you can use it to set the world on fire and watch it burn. Which one honors God? And which one are you going to choose tonight? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that... God, we thank you that words matter. The way that we speak, that we have the opportunity to come to you, God, to, to confess our sin to you, to ask for your forgiveness, to know that through that, God, that you extend your love and your mercy and your grace into our lives and you cover us from that moment forward. But God, we also struggle. I struggle. In the way that we speak sometimes. God, help each one of us to rely on you when it comes to our tongue, when it comes to our words. God, I would ask that you guard our hearts so that when we do speak, what comes out is an overflow of what you're doing inside. And, and if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Jesse, I'm struggling with my words right now. I want to pray for you. And, and if you want me to do that, me and the other adult leaders that are in this room, I want to ask you, that yellow card that's in your chair or under your chair, just write that on that card. And during the song or when we're over, done tonight, you can walk up here, just drop it in this basket. You can sign it if you want. You don't have to. But let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. Your words matter to God. So make your words matter. God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I'll stand and sing.